Welcome back to the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. This is Calvin Rosser. And this is Steph Smith. Today, we will be talking about a concept, tech literacy, and how important it is to stay ahead of the curve. Okay, so in the intro, I mentioned that we'd be talking about tech literacy, but really what I want to talk about is this concept where throughout time, the skills that you require to be competent and to even excel in the era that you happen to live in change. So the skills that we needed 100 years ago were very different to the skills that we need today. And I think it would be silly to think that the skills that we need 100 years from now won't change as well. And the one thing that seems top of mind for me is this idea of tech literacy. And what I mean by this is not just learning how to code, but understanding the way the web, the way the internet, the way that technology works. I find myself reflecting on the fact that I learned to code over the last couple of years and have been increasingly involved in technology and have noticed that I just feel so much more capable. I feel so much more ready. I feel like I can build things in ways that I couldn't before and I can participate in what's to come. And that's just something I've noticed because tech, as we all know, has become more and more influential in our daily lives. So Cal, does that spark any ideas for you? So I was actually with some friends this weekend, and a lot of them are in what were very traditional jobs coming out of the school I came in. They were in investment banking, they're consultants, some are at hedge funds. Strangely, a few people actually mentioned the idea that they don't feel like they have any practical skills. And they're actually quite high up in some of these companies. It wasn't that they're not learning anything, but they didn't really feel that mobile as it related to their skill sets. And a lot of it is actually just being able to analyze data, to clean it up, to put it into presentations, like skills that you have in these more corporate financial roles. What I thought was interesting was I had almost the opposite reaction, similar to what you were talking about, where I feel like I have a pretty wide swath of skills. I'm not an expert in anything, but a lot of them are really oriented towards this digital world that we continually move towards. I'm not technical as a coder, but in terms of just even how to start a website or how to get traffic to that website or how to get that traffic to do certain things, like there's just a skill set that I have that I think is very malleable and it doesn't present itself just in one company and I think could be applied in a lot of different realms. All of that is to say is I thought it was really interesting that I was with this group of very successful, talented people who somehow found themselves saying that they didn't have any real skills. And I think that may be representative of what you're talking about is people intuitively know where the world is going. A lot of people can see that tech is becoming a more important part of the world, but don't know exactly how to begin becoming more literate there or even feeling more competent in that they could transfer their skills. You mentioned the word literate, and I think that's so important because you think of literacy in general over the last... I actually don't know how long, but at least my lifetime and several lifetimes before me, one of the key skills in order to participate in the economy, to get a job, was being able to speak a language that you were being hired in. So being able to communicate with other people. And that is so ingrained in our schooling and our societies where learning how to read and write is essential. That even goes into some of the metrics in determining how advanced a country is, right? Like how many people are literate within that country. And I think one thing that we're going to see, I think this will be a very long-term trend, is tech literacy. So some sort of metric that shows how many people in that country are comfortable with technology. And I don't know exactly how that will look because one really important part here is tech literacy in the way I see it isn't, again, just knowing how to code. It's understanding the innovations and the technology around you, being able to leverage it yourself, and hopefully understanding some of the underpinnings of that. But even if you think about being literate today in the sense of being able to read and write, that doesn't mean you're going to be a world-class author or doesn't mean you're going to be hired to read and write, but it is an underpinning. It's almost like a foundation of your ability to participate. And again, I think one of the things that really has fueled this belief of mine and this idea that tech literacy will become more and more important is confidence that I got once I had learned to code. 
And again, not just learning to code, but once I understood the way the internet worked and I then was able to say, hey, I actually know how to build these things. Or when I saw companies, I then had a layer of understanding in the way that they worked, the way that they made money, the way that they grew that I just simply didn't have before. Even in my job today, just being able to work with developers in different ways or designers, it's really influential in me being a better participant. And I think that's something that's going to become more and more important as we become more technological over time. So what would you say for people who are not in tech companies? There's still just such a wide group of people who are in roles where they may be saying, I don't need to learn how to code or I don't really have to know how the internet works. Like, What advice do you have for people? Do you think that people are just not appreciating how technology is going to become an increasingly important part of our lives and you're actually going to get left behind? Or is this advice for people who are already in some sort of role that that requires a little bit more tech literacy and making sure that you stay ahead in that context. It's a bit of both, but I think there is an underrated aspect where a lot of people think if I'm not in technology today, or if I'm not in an adjacent industry, then maybe I don't have to worry. Something that I think is important here is tech, as people say, is eating the world. And part of that is the recognition of why it's eating the world. So there's a book that I've mentioned on the pod before. It's called What's the Future? They talk about this thing called Hoffman's Law, which is basically that every year technology is expected to do more and cost less. It's naturally deflationary. And by the fact that it's naturally deflationary and by the fact that it is able to do more and cost less every year, which is not true for many industries in the world, it will continue to eat things that aren't that way, if that makes sense. So tech will eat the world. I think that is inevitable. It won't take over absolutely everything, but I think people are underestimating how much it really will replace throughout our lifetime. So if you really acknowledge that, just how much of the world will depend on technology, I just think you're doing yourself a disservice to an extent. Again, even if you're not in the industry directly, to not have a good understanding of what's going on around you? Like what is powering our world? How are these people making so much money off of something that so many people use? And we talked about this in a recent episode, but I like to think of time in different eras. So there was an industrial era. There was other eras before that. We are objectively in an era that is defined by software. So I think it's important for people to have that foundation. Now you asked what I would suggest. I think first, just having that realization where you don't need to become a developer. Of course, I think that's a very lucrative career, but I myself, I, I have no plans, at least in the short to medium term of becoming a developer and being paid for that. But I think taking the step to realize how important this is going to be, and then even just taking a couple beginner level developer classes, or even separate from that, I think one of the things, if anyone has a suggestion for this and they're listening, I would love to learn what's out there that covers basically not so much how to code, but again, the way some of these technologies work learning how AI works, learning how the internet works, how requests are sent back and forth, learning how some of the biggest technology companies make money. I think those are all really important aspects of, again, just having tech literacy, not necessarily being a developer yourself, but being literate in what's happening around you. So let's say you know nothing at the moment. Like, What is the best way for people to get caught up quickly? I have a couple suggestions. I'm just thinking through this on the spot right now, but I think part of it is, again, first, the realization. Second, if you're willing to, I think one of the best things that you can do is really take any sort of development course, whether it's like just a quick $20 Udemy course that gives you the basics of web development, or I know Udacity has a bunch of nano degrees. So taking one of those just to get yourself a little bit immersed in it. You're not going to learn to write blockchain contracts on your own after that, but you are just going to understand the underpinnings of some of these things. I think on top of that, one really important thing to understand is especially how ubiquitous some of the top companies are. One of the recent episodes, we talked about Fang. Understanding how some of these huge companies like Fang work, and in particular, how they make money, I also think is a part of this literacy, right? 
what data are they selling or buying? I think what you'll find there is, again, a lot of the companies that we see in FANG, so things like Amazon, people think are logistics companies. And it is to a large degree. But if you actually do a deep dive into something like Amazon, you'll see that a large amount of their profit comes from AWS. Okay, what's AWS? It's a bunch of servers. What is a server? Why do I need a server? What other server companies are out there? How do they make money? Why do they make money? Who's paying them? Who are these enterprises that actually need these servers? I think you can go down this rabbit hole of asking what this huge internet infrastructure is just by asking the question again, what are some of these huge companies like Fang? How do they make money? And then how does that relate to all of the other technological infrastructure that exists around us? I guess where I'm struggling is this is a little bit of an overwhelming problem to solve. And I try to think, what are the best ways for people to learn something? To me, there has to be some sort of direct tie to a current problem that you're solving or an area that you're interested in. So potentially, if someone is interested in software development, it could be easier to go take a Udacity course. But I'm just thinking about people who are pretty content with their lives. They're in a job or something. And and you're basically saying there will be a totally new skill set that's going to become increasingly important in the world. And you somehow have to go about and convince people to do something about that. I think the only way that I personally learned a little bit more about tech and even some development very minorly was just through doing it through my jobs. So it was actually more of a random thing and then turned into an interest. And I saw some of the ways in which it can be really powerful. But it took many years to really begin to piece things together and to understand how can you leverage technology or be a part of the way that technology is shaping the world in ways that then help you bring your ideas to life or that help you shape the positive impact that you want to have or that help you stay competitive in the job market. I'm just not sure what the starting place is. I don't know if it's a course or something else. I'm wondering if kids in school these days are actually learning a lot of these skills firsthand. Some of them are. I've been so impressed by some of the people that I follow on Twitter that are like 18 years old and just are incredible technologists and probably way better than anything that I will ever become. And they're 18. So I do think some kids are learning it in school early. Do I think that they're teaching it in school to the extent that it needs to be? Like I remember in my high school, the one course that you had to take all the way through high school, no questions asked, at least in my province, was English. And I'm not necessarily disputing that should have or shouldn't have been the case, but why wasn't that the case for programming? I think that maybe... Some schools now, I haven't checked into this, probably have more robust programs, but I really do think in the next decade, schools should have that as mandatory. I think that being a part of this ecosystem is just as important as it is to be pretty proficient in reading and writing. And you're totally right that some of the things I've said so far aren't super actionable and don't really get someone on a path to just get started right away. But I would also say that this is an industry that's going to be evolving for so many decades to come. So you don't need to know all of this overnight. And in fact, something that I think that a lot of people feel when they hear, oh, technology is evolving and everyone's learning to code and I feel so behind, you're actually not behind. So even though tech is huge, I saw this stat. So this was in, this was at the end of 2019. So it may have changed recently, but there was a graph that basically showed that only 0.3% of the world can code. And that's grown pretty significantly over time, but that's such a small fraction of the world still. So if you want to get involved today, you can just take baby steps. Really, that's what I'm trying to encourage even in this conversation is not necessarily to have everything sorted out tomorrow, but to start getting involved and learning more about this so that 
you don't wake up one day and find that you are behind. Another way that I think is cool to think about this is programming is always evolving and the applications are always evolving too. So there's people who started learning how to program in the 1960s and 1970s. And I'm sure some of what they learned, at least in terms of how they thought, is still relevant, but the languages and the applications have certainly changed. So I think just getting started and just understanding how do you learn new programming languages, just like how do you learn new other languages, whether it's Spanish, English, French, etc., is just one of those base skills that could be really useful because then you can more easily take advantage of the new opportunities that come. I'm even thinking like crypto is really big right now. And crypto is interesting because it seems like there's a lot of ways in which people who are not incredibly technical are able to build applications via crypto that can reach a lot of people. So if you just had a base understanding of, say, the internet and some basic programming or even just the capacity to really learn new skills, then you would be able to take uh, part in this new potential wave of innovation, even though you weren't a programmer for hire. Yeah, I have a friend who's very invested in crypto and has been following the space for a long time. And he actually had pretty similar suggestion when I asked him, how do you find what to invest in? How do you decide what to invest in once you've found certain things? And he also agreed that there's so much out there and it can be really overwhelming. What he found helpful was just learning about things that he was already interested in. So he would find something in the non-crypto world that he already used or that he already needed. And he'd find a crypto equivalent to that, learn more about it. He wouldn't necessarily invest just based on that basis, but he found things that he naturally had an affinity to and then use that as something to get the ball rolling. So I think the same thing can be true with learning more about technology in general. I think that's an awesome way to think about it. It brings me to what maybe we can wrap up on, which is I think school for so many years has been designed to help people learn certain skills, whether it's to socialize, basic math, basic reading, et cetera. And we can improve some of that. But it's also been designed to help kids learn how to memorize things. So we have tests where there's right answers. And often those are just based on rote memory versus critical thinking or problem solving or just how to learn something and that the world is certainly changing and that based on how things have evolved, we can now look up a lot of the things that we used to have to memorize and we don't need our brains for that. And actually the most useful way for us to leverage our talents and our brains is to just develop the capacity to learn new skills, which was the topic of one of our episodes, and to just get used to reinventing ourselves through paying attention to what's happening in the world and find ways that we can continue continue learning so that we both don't get left behind and also can take advantage of opportunities when they come. If you don't have that skill set of just knowing how to learn things, I think it's going to be easier to fall behind. But if you do have that skill set, you may be behind in some domains, but be able to get quickly up to speed. And that alone is going to be really valuable from my perspective. Absolutely. I think what you called out about Google is so important because one of the things that we must be aware of in learning new skills is also unlearning specific skills or deprioritizing specific skills. And I think a common trend is education tends to lag behind innovation. And that's okay. And that's been the case for decades, if not centuries. But what's important to recognize is if the world is going to be different in 100 years and there's new skills to learn, and one of them that I think will be the case is tech literacy, there's probably going to be other things that are less important, right? So like you said, memory memorizing certain things. We really don't need to memorize anything. We have Google accessible to us. If people are interested, a really excellent book is Algorithms to Live By, where they talk about a few different things like this. They talk about how some people actually try to organize their inboxes, for example. And because we have the ability to search in your inbox, that is no longer necessary. In fact, it's actually a little counterproductive and it wastes your time and energy. So thinking about the things that technology gives us today and wondering what do we really not need to do? And I think that's also an interesting question. We can do another episode on this 
But if tech literacy isn't going to be important and probably other skills are going to be increasingly important to come, what are the skills that we no longer really need to do? So one of them, like you said, is memorization. I also wonder if we have enough robots that can cook for us. Maybe we truly don't need to cook. Another thing related to that is I don't know how to drive and I've been jokingly, but also not jokingly saying I'm waiting out for self-driving cars. So there's all these things that I think perhaps in years to come will become less important to learn. And it's worth noting them because we do put energy into learning these things. And it's worth actually just questioning whether we should be putting that same energy moving forward. Something that came to mind as you were speaking was this idea that education is always lagging behind innovation. And I agree that it's true in formal schooling. It would never be caught up. But then I was just thinking like a lot of innovation is actually communicated pretty quickly to when it happens through people who are looking to teach or to become influencers or to find ways to reach people to talk about their ideas or their products. And so if formal schooling could find ways to find the people who are teaching the new things in interesting ways, and instead of just going by the textbook, you actually bringing in people who are YouTubers, who are TikTokers, etc., through the screen and then discussing the ideas that they bring to the table and not relying on teachers just being these sources of truth who have a static set of knowledge that's codified in a textbook. I think if we could integrate technology in that way, education actually wouldn't be as far behind, although it'd be admittedly quite hard to do. I think I might have mentioned this on a prior episode, but the writer of What's the Future was Tim O'Reilly. And he talks about this where that's why he created the O'Reilly series, because he wanted to partner with people who were at the absolute pinnacle of innovation and get them to educate through these books instead of relying on the traditional school system, which naturally tends to be slower. I wanted to finish off by sharing one thing that I really enjoyed thinking about, which is a Steve Jobs quote, or almost like a way of thinking, where he basically says, computers are like the bicycle of the mind. And I really liked this framing because just because you have bicycles doesn't mean you have to use the bicycle. But what a bicycle really does is it would take the energy that you're exerting by walking or running, let's say, and it makes it more efficient, right? You're not losing that energy by stomping into the floor. Instead, it's being throttled into a wheel, which is more efficient than, again, your ability to walk. So the bicycle is this incredible contraption that allows you to do more. And I see technology in that way, where again, you don't need a bicycle. But if you really do think about computers and technology as today's bicycles, the bicycles of the mind. It's incredible what you can do with it. And you don't necessarily need to create the bicycles yourself. You can design new bicycles. You can work with other people that create bicycles and help them share those bicycles with the world. There's different ways to be involved. But I really like that framing of just acknowledging that to some degree, computers are the bicycles of the mind and our ability to just do more. Again, this idea where tech is expected to do more and cost less every single year. And I think that's really powerful. So I wanted to share that before we close off. Shall we end it there? I'm about to go bicycle to my JavaScript class. <laughs> sure, we can end it there. This was the Shit You Don't Learn in School podcast. You can find me at StephSmithIO on Twitter. And you can find me at Calvin underscore Rosser on Twitter. Calvin, are you going to sign up for a coding class? Probably, but first I got to get my voice back. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.